When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're jam-packed, you guys. So glad you're with us. Mina Kimes, Marcus Gears, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky here. And later, we got RC versus Dan back on the touchscreen again. Let's Can't go. wait to get into that. Let's hey, go. you think Justin Jefferson's unstoppable? They're going to tell you a plan to try and defend him. But first, let's go back to Monday night. Guys, this is for you, Mina Kimes. Uh, Russell Wilson back in Seattle. Soaking it all in. Getting ready to go. Second quarter, Broncos trailing 10-3. Dan Wilson finds Jerry Judy. Not a great throw, to be honest, with the man coverage over Kobe Bryant, but Judy does an awesome job of coming back to that football and then running away from the defense. It felt like the Denver offense was going to get going. Broncos tie it at 10. And next drive for the Seahawks, how would they respond? Well, Geno Smith, who was great all night, an opportunity to connect here. Colby Parkinson streaking down the right half. I love the design of that one. A little bit of a horizontal stretch for the defense, and then you attack the seam with the vertical ball. No one saw it coming. Seahawks leading into the half 17 to 13. Halfway through the third quarter, same score. Fourth and goal for the Broncos. Yeah, get, get out of shot. That's number one. Get the hell out of shotgun and run a toss and give the running back a couple options of cuts to get in the end zone. All you coaches out there. Why are you so you mad? Cool rules. He's mad because he picked Because look team. at this again. But so did we. Get <laughs> out of shotgun. He fumbled. This is so unusual. You'd have a couple guys fumbling on the one-yard line, but what are you going to do? Broncos 0-4 in the red zone with two turnovers. Facing third and 14 to go. Wilson finds Williams for the check down, fighting his way there for nine yards. So the Broncos choose to run the clock. We'll get into this a little bit later. Try a 64-yard field goal for the win. Brandon McManus with this opportunity. But, man, as Mina Kimes was screaming with joy, he hooks it left. The potential game winner, not enough. And that spoils Wilson's return to Seattle. Nathaniel Hackett's head coaching debut leaves a bit to be desired. Marcus, you alluded to a little bit of it there, but what did you make of the end-of-game decisions? Yeah, look, look the, Russ should have been involved in that decision. Russ should have said, Coach, listen, I think we need to call a timeout. Or even go rogue and call one. He's been in this situation, been in fourth quarter. He's one of those quarterbacks where we talk about how much success he's had in these particular situations. And also to the coaching staff, but as the quarterback who just got the money, you have the cachet sure. and the career sure. to say, hey, man, I'm going to call timeout. I'll take the brunt of the coaching staff being mad, but I want us to be in the best possible situation forward. I'm not blaming Russ. This is Nathaniel Hackett. But he could have done that as a player with the type of cachet he has in that organization. Well, I don't know if it'd be going rogue necessarily because all summer long we've been hearing from everybody in Denver, this is a partnership. Finally, mm -hmm. Russ gets to collaborate with his head coach. Yes. That did not look like a partnership out there. Certainly not an equal one based on the decision. But what struck me, I think, after the game, as I was thinking about that decision and why it was made and perhaps uh, who could have stopped it, it was something that I think maybe we should have actually acknowledged all summer when we were hyped, not we, but people were hyping the Broncos, which is 
this is an incredibly inexperienced mm -hmm. coaching staff. We talk about Nathaniel Hackett being the head coach and not having experience, but his offensive coordinator is the first time co offensive coordinator, his defensive mm -hmm. coordinator, even the special teams is the first time special teams coordinator. And I think sometimes that's something we perhaps underestimate when we look at a contender is the importance of having that sort of institutional experience and gravitas and somebody who can maybe come over the top and say, hey man, not the right move. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you mentioned, you mentioned partnership when you trade for Russell Wilson, when you pay him $256 million, you're not doing that for a silent partner. You're doing that for someone who can be a coach on the field. You're doing right. that for a guy that can be the leader and say, no, right now we need a timeout. At least let's have the discussion. But if you're Nathaniel Hackett and you're on this team and you understand why you bring Russell Wilson over, and then every time he speaks, he says he's one of the best, and it's not about winning one or two or three Super Bowls. It's about how many we can win overall. This is the moment to start that, and not the moment from just the X's and O's coaching level. It's the moment to say, as the leader of this team, as the head coach, I believe in this dude so much yeah. mm. that fourth and five to me yeah. is way better than a 64-yard field goal. And the one thing Brandon Staley did last year, no matter how much it upset yeah. me, is I know he <laughs> believes in them. He, he believes in him. number 10 yeah. more than number 10's mama believe in him. Yeah. <laughs> and he showed us that every fourth down. Nathaniel Hackett missed an opportunity to teach his team that. Listen, I'm with you guys. I just don't believe they lost the game because that fourth and five call. They lost oh, yeah. the game because the whole operation of the last two-minute drive. Guys, right. there was a moment. It was second and four. There's two minutes and 33 seconds left on the clock. They got three timeouts and the two-minute warning. Now they go run the ball on second down, so the two-minute happens, and it's third and two. They get a nine-yard completion. Right now, Javante Williams, get out of bounds because you're already outside the numbers with the first down. That ball was snapped at two minutes. They don't get another snap off for 36 seconds. No timeout, no out of bounds. They throw the screen pass. This, to me, is the play of the game. Cody Barton turns first and 10 into second and 14. If he doesn't make that play, Javante Williams legitimately might score. He's going to get third or fourth, 30 or 40 yards. The next play happens at 113 because they popped the timeout finally. Okay, they go to quickly throw a slant, and Russell grabs the ball and decides to run. This is what should have happened. When the two-minute warning happens and it's third and two, you get to the sideline. Coach, what's the play? When we get the first down, what's the immediate next play? I don't care how many yards we get. Mm. So we're moving quickly. 36 seconds passing is unacceptable. Yeah. No timeout getting used is unacceptable. The weird part is this. Russell Wilson started that drive, and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman put up this graphic in the last 10 years. He's second in the NFL in yeah. comebacks in the fourth quarter. He's been in it a bunch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nathaniel Hackett just came from Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers did 100 of them in the last three years. Yeah. He's done it a bunch. The mismanagement is what lost that game, yeah. not that fourth down decision. Okay, we can't move on here, though, without giving the Seahawks some Thank credit. You. Come on, Mina. I, I mean, Geno Smith, everyone yes. doubted him, and he comes out and does what he did. There did. was another quarterback on the field, and what a moment for him. I just, before we get to the football side of it, just watching him walk off as the crowd shouting Geno in his 10th season in the NFL. I get goose. That has to be such an incredible feeling. And I'll add this. It shouldn't be entirely surprising that he played well. He has not been given many good opportunities in this league. And during the preseason, even though he, quote, unquote, struggled, most of the time it wasn't his fault. He was actually accurate okay, making decisions. We were, we were out there, Laura and I, for Monday Night Football, watching him practice. And multiple times, we're like, man, Gino is throwing the absolute heck out of the he football. He has a strong arm. He is accurate. During the preseason, there were a lot of drops. What impressed me the most, though, about last night was how he played under pressure with yes. five or six mm -hmm. for a perfect yeah. passer rating, no. stood tall in the po pocket, threw some really difficult throws, and I thought that was Mina, impressive. Mina, it's time for a new tack, though. Uh -oh. They wrote me off. 
when and I, I ain't right back. <laughs> let's go. I'll get that tat. I don't care. I'm not even With Seahawks With the NFL fan. Live logo. Yeah, let's go. We, we've been one. handing out tats and new T-shirts. Who knows? All right, new on NFL Live. Lots of news on the injury front around the league. And this in from Adam Schefter. Doctors determined this afternoon that Steelers linebacker T.J. Watt does not need surgery on his torn pectoral. Now he's expected to miss about six weeks per a source. So interesting because we were wondering exactly what that timeline would look like. We said yesterday, if they don't have JJ, I mean TJ, excuse me, they're in a situation where this season may be over now. That looks a lot more optimistic. Let's get to Dak Prescott, though. Potentially good news for the Cowboys. We initially thought the timeline on Dak's recovery from his thumb injury was missing six to eight weeks time. Now looking like that time could be shorter. So here's Jerry Jones today with more. I think what we're going to do here is we won't be putting him on IR, uh, which means that uh, we want him to be uh, a consideration uh, for playing within the next four games. We will not put him on IR. The other thing is that uh, uh, we uh, feel very good after surgery, after listening to the medical people, uh, that uh, Dak has a real chance to uh, be back out there throwing the ball pretty quick. All right, we got our own medical person here. Yes. Let's get ESPN yes. injury analyst Stefania Bell in here. It's Stefania. What up, Stefania? Hey, we love yeah. it. Welcome There's to the circus. Welcome. <laughs> you always have a seat here. What did Jerry's comments tell you about Dak's injury? Well, the revised timeline gives us some important information. Number one, it tells us they're confident they got good fixation. So the hardware they put in, a plate and small screws to stabilize the fracture. They're comfortable with the alignment and how that looks. Number two, it tells us that they didn't need to put a pin mm. in the joint. If there had been trauma that required pinning, that would have meant three to four weeks of immobilization with that. That wouldn't fit this timeline. It also tells us no major soft tissue damage, good blood flow to the area. These are all really encouraging things that bode well for his prognosis coming out of it. And it means once the wound heals, you can get to earlier range of motion, grip mm. strength, and then working back towards football activities. And it's not important just for the short-term outlook, but really for the long-term health of the player. Because early motion means less residual stiffness, less scarring in the area. And you know how important that is for the thumb of a quarterback. So yeah. this is really critical. And the last thing I'll say, no IR. That doesn't guarantee that he's back playing in four weeks, but what it does is it opens the practice window. And so now when he's ready to rejoin the team, even implementing small phases of practice, he can do it. Okay, welcome to NFL Live, because this is where I tell everyone they're, they're crazy. So okay. <laughs> I did this injury. I had, I think in like 2008, I did this. I had to get surgery on it. Um, I had to get metal put into the joint of it. So I think I kid myself when I came back at like four weeks, fooling myself into coaches and I could throw in practice. Like I was fine, whatever. And then I got into a game and in the moment where I like had her actually grip down on the ball and ripped something into a tight window, I just remember thinking to myself, I have nothing in my hand. Hmm. I don't think there's any chance that he plays in four weeks in football. Like, am I nuts? I yeah, I, I, and I don't think they're saying that he absolutely will. You know, I think the timeline has sort of shifted from six to eight weeks to four to six, but everybody's... I could grip the football. Yeah, but it also depends on exactly where your injury was. There's so many different places in the thumb that you can have a fracture. There's so many different types of fracture. The fracture can be a simple clean line or it can be multiple pieces. I mean, these are all things that change the scope of what the... The trajectory is for the player coming okay. off the injury. So I think if there's good people around him, 
Yeah. They'll assess that and make that determination as he goes. Really interesting point about the IR situation where he could practice sooner mm. than he would be able to otherwise. Right. So there's a chance, right, that Prescott could be back for the Cowboys game against the Rams in week five if everything works out well with this recovery. In the following week, Dallas goes on the road again for a key divisional matchup against the Eagles. You see those weeks and those opponents combine Jerry's comments with that upcoming schedule. I mean, Marcus, how much pressure does that put on Dak yeah. to get back ASAP? Yeah, that's that's exactly why I wanted to hear from Stefania on the injury and long term because th th here's the other side of that, right? Players' mentality. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm away from football. My team is struggling. How much do I push to get back? I don't expect them to have a lot of success with Cooper Rush. They weren't having a lot with Dak Prescott, mm -hmm. right? So now, Stephanie, we get to a point where you look at this schedule, which I think the Cowboys was going to have a hard road to go anyway with Dak. But now it's like, what about re-aggravation? Yeah. Like, what is, the, what is the setback? Because this offensive line is going to give up pressure. Sure. So that's what I really wanted to ask you is, how much fire are you playing with to come back early if you're Dak Prescott? I'm not really worried about that, and here's why. They put hardware in there. Yeah. The mm -hmm. hardware really protects the bone. That's why it's there. So that's actually the safest place in the hand. You know, it's the other things around it. And, yeah, the grip strength might take a while to get back to 100%. The accuracy, the touch on the ball, all the things that are the finesse things that mm -hmm. come as you're out there more, you may have to get some of that while you play, but safety-wise, you feel good about it. You know what doesn't change is the spotlight on the Dallas Cowboys. So whenever he comes back, everyone's going to be watching. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Happy to have you on NFL Live. Let's read and react to some stories from around the NFL. We start with a quarterback getting his first start for a new team. It was quite the debut for Carson Wentz, who threw for 313 yards and four touchdowns in the commander's win, including the game-winning touchdown to Jahan Dodson late in the fourth quarter. Dodson was amazing, too. Wentz is the first player in NFL history to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns in his debut with the new team. It was Wentz's first game with four passing touchdowns since 2017. And I hesitate to even say the I'll number the year the 2017 in front of Dan Orlovsky be because we know what he's going to do. What did you see from Wentz in his debut with the Commanders? He then? didn't play as well as like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, but it was close. He was Ooh. phenomenal. Oh. And Washington was as Blasphemous. creative offensively as anybody in the NFL. This was one of my favorite ways they attacked cover three. It's the sale concept, okay, which is a three-man flood. Go route something second level and a flat route underneath. Now, cover three, safety in the middle field, deep third, 
corners, deep third, and then a flat defender. Now, first of all, I ball fake that flat defender just to get him to Hezzy for a second. Now, the sale comes from the backside back. Now, look at, I've got carried corner vertical. I'm lost behind the flat defender. He's peeking still at me, and here comes this shallow cross. This is a beautiful design out of two back to create that sale concept to attack with the flood of Jacksonville's cover three defense. Now, let me say this. There was a little bit of the roller coaster experience with Carson. Started <laughs> off really high, th threw the ball well, and then back-to-back -back interceptions. My favorite part of it was they stayed aggressive with him. He made some big-time throws, and he didn't allow that to mentally drag him down, which has been part of his past. That's a big step forward for him. I thought that was important, too. I like that you got a little bit of the truth in there at the end, but the beginning was I'm truthful, too. Person. All right, let's go to Jameis Winston. He was back under center for the first time since injuring his leg last season, and he was put to test right away. You see it right here. The Saints trailed 26-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter on Sunday before rallying to score 17 unanswered points. It's the first time in Saints history that they won a game after trailing by 16 or more points in the fourth quarter. The first time. Then Drew Brees is their quarterback before this. New Orleans was 0-208 in that scenario uh, entering Sunday. So, Marcus, what did you make of Jameis leading that fourth quarter I was back? still recovering from Carson Wentz. But, but, but listen, okay, we all I are. love what Jameis did late in this football game. One, he played within himself. He knew big plays needed to be made, and he made the right throws, the right reads. He took checkdowns. This was a seed to Chris Olave on the out. The, the Jarvis Landry throw. You see him getting that rapport with his receivers as the game went along. Remember, these guys missed some significant time during training camp. And that first half, I think, was a, was a part of that. And then when they found each other, they start doing it at a very high rate. The two, the two throws to Michael Thomas for touchdowns were phenomenal. Now, yeah. I want to remind everybody that Michael Thomas was considered the best wide receiver in the NFL three years ago. It looked like that in the second half of this football game with Jameis Winston. You have him in the Super Bowl, right? Yes, I Saints. do. NFC pick. Yeah, okay, there you go. Let's get up to Saquon Barkley, who racked up 164 yards, a touchdown, the game-winning two-point conversion. He jumped on with Peyton and Eli last night. RC, let's listen to this. Hey, Saquon, what was it like in the locker room after that win? I mean, Coach Dayball went for two, put his trust in you. Talk about what the, talk about what it was like in there. Yeah, it was a gutsy call, uh, but you know it was we were turned up in that locker room. Uh, we were dancing, we were singing. As you can see right here, Dave put some. What you, how, how would you rate his dancing skills right there? One to ten. What do you give him? Uh, I'll give him. A, I'll give him an eight. High for me. I don't know. Maybe more like a two. But hey, you know how to coach football. You spoke with Saquon this offseason. Were you surprised by the performance we saw week one? I actually wasn't surprised. Like Saquon is just a genuinely likable guy, right? He's a sweetheart. He's also ultimately talented. And sometimes those guys don't get challenged. You can mm. tell he was challenged. He felt that he wasn't healthy. And he hadn't been given an opportunity to be himself. He told me that he was back. And he said that everybody that switched up on him, that changed up, said his running style wasn't for the NFL, that he had something to prove and I think you could see that with his energy and the excitement after the two-point conversion his energy his excitement his talent level is a huge reason why they won that game and Brian Dayball holding people accountable which is something he also mentioned showed up late in the game against Tennessee yeah that's interesting Dayball I think the right fit there he's a New York guy and he understands what he's got to do to win okay then there's Kansas City who began life without Tyree Kill on Sunday and they did so with a bang putting up 44 points in the win over Arizona. Mina, for all the talk about Mahomes' five touchdown passes, 
You think one major storyline has gone unnoticed. What is that? Yeah, I wasn't worried about the Chiefs offense. I was curious to see how this pass rush would look, particularly with the rookie George Karloftis put up four pressures, two quarterback hits. But to me, equally important, equally important is what he didn't do, which is let Kyler Murray get away. Watch how disciplined he, are, disciplined he are, is here, pardon me, on this pass rush. Even after he beats the blocker, he's got eyes on Murray the entire time, keeping contained, ultimately getting the hit. He did that all game, Laura, all game long, Laura, and so did the four-man rush. They did a terrific job of holding Kyler Murray to only 29 yards rushing. It's a big part of the reason why they won this game. You love Karloffis in the draft. It's fun to see what he's already doing in his young NFL career. This new one, NFL Live, actually some bad news for Kansas City from Adam Schefter's Twitter feed as the Chiefs have placed first-round pick cornerback Trent McDuff. Hate to see that, but we'll keep an eye on that for those Chiefs. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Glad you're with us here on the show, and let's get Diana Rossini in here for a minute. Diana, so much news to get to around the league. Take us through all of it. Let's start with Dak Prescott in Dallas. I feel like I'm a little bit of a positive fairy today on the injury front here, um, at least as positive as we possibly could be. Let's start with Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, who owner Jerry Jones went on the radio today and said that the team decided they are not going to place him on IR after he had uh, hand surgery yesterday. He said it was very successful, and they're optimistic that he could return sooner then perhaps six weeks. Of course, that's the best case scenario, but they are just hoping that this is a quick recovery. And speaking of hoping, Steelers running back Najee Harris has, is being very optimistic right now about playing against the New England Patriots. We saw him sit out in overtime against the Bengals dealing with an injury, and he went out on the radio today and said, I'm good to go. I'm practicing. I'm set. Coach Tomlin said, you know what? It's all good to be young. You're so optimistic when you're young. Let's just see how this goes. So they're going to keep an eye on him. In the meantime, TJ Watt, this is really probably the best news Steelers Nation is going to get all season long. And that's the fact that their best player, 
is not going to miss the entire season. Adam Schefter reporting earlier in the show today that uh, they've made a decision that he's only going to probably miss about six weeks. So the team is just going to make a decision on whether or not they're going to place him in IR. They're going to have it Saturday until 4 o'clock to make that call. Uh, so they have some time here as they're going to take it day by day. And then finally, Chargers Keenan Allen. So we know we're going to see him receive the Chargers in action on Thursday in that big game. And Jeremy Fowler is reporting based on MRI results. He is most likely not going to be active, just not enough time to recover after Sunday's matchup, Laura. Man, that's a bummer, but let's talk about that game. Thanks so much, Diana, for all of that news. We get you ready for week two, which begins in just a couple days. Hey, Justin Herbert and Patrick, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in the studio here with us. And Michelle Steele in Kansas City covering the Chiefs today. Michelle, Mahomes addressed the media this afternoon. What did he have to say? Yeah, well, whenever Patrick Mahomes lands on the injury report, and that's what we saw Monday from the estimated injury report because the team did not practice, it's always going to be a headline, right? He fell on that non-throwing left wrist on his first touchdown pass against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, and that's why he landed on that injury report. And we saw him at practice. We saw trainers wrap his left wrist with tape, and we also saw him throw the football without any visible limitations. The most important thing I think I can update you on, though, Laura, is that Mahomes says himself that he's on an upward trajectory with that wrist. Yeah, it, it got a little sore yesterday, but then today it felt a lot better. So we kind of got in the training room, got a little work on it. Haven't actually had any, any time today to even get any work on it, but it's already felt a lot better. So uh, I'm sure I'll be good to go this week. Now, even with the injury, Mahomes finished 30 for 39 for 360 yards and five touchdown passes. So, you know, I think he was okay even with that injury on Sunday. And with some rest, I know it's going to be a short week. He'll be fine uh, for Thursday. But he certainly is motivated, Laura, because this time last year, week two, the Chargers came to Arrowhead, and, yes, they beat the Chiefs. Mahomes wants to make sure this doesn't happen this time around. Yeah, it was interesting because that was kind of the beginning of people saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes is done. Look how that turned out. Thanks to Michelle. There was plenty of hype around the Chargers' new-look defense, and they lived up to it on Sunday to the tune of six sacks, three interceptions, and three forced fumbles. They became the first team in the last 30 years to reach all of those marks in a season opener. And L.A. did this without star cornerback J.C. Jackson. He's out with an ankle injury. Dan, what did you like from that Chargers' defense on Sunday? Schematically, it was probably the most impressive that I've seen Brandon Staley's defense be and wow. you know this we talk hoops or you talk hoops and you're like what the question is how do you stop the Steph Curry's and Durant's and it was this throw multiple di different defensive looks at them it was double invert buzz it was six-man pressure 3d two underneath it was bracket coverage it was double Darren Waller and Devontae Adams on the same side, leaving other guys one-on-one -on -one with safety help. It was just a multitude of different looks that they sent, like a Rolodex. We call it this one. What's the next one? It was never the same look seen twice coverage-wise. And it really seemed it was going to force Las Vegas to go to Hunter Renfro more to beat them. And they didn't. And that was the difference of the, the, the game was how impressive coaching-wise the, the plan was for the Chargers defense. I got to play my favorite game within the game, which is where is Derwin James? Uh, we got snap counts, 26 <laughs> to safety, 10 in the slot, one at outside corner, nine at outside linebacker, three on inside linebacker, seven on the edge.
surprised they didn't have him snapping the ball. <laughs> um, this is not new. We know Derwin James is one of the most mm. versatile players in the NFL. But what is new, or at least what struck me watching them in this particular game, is because of the talent around him now, both in the secondary and especially up front with that four-man rusher, Cleo Mack, they can do whatever they want with him. Whether it's blitzing him at the beginning of the game, having him man up Waller and Adams. He's probably one of the very few safeties in the NFL who's freaking capable of that. He's no longer a need. He's like a want. It's weird mm. to call a star player a luxury, but in that off, in that defense, pardon me, because there's so much talent there, now he is a luxury. They can do whatever they want with him, and he is dangerous as a result. Well, we all know I love talking to coaches who love defense. I got an opportunity to speak with Brandon Staley in the offseason, and all he could it's talk about was... <laughs> well, about fourth down as well. That's last year, Dan. We spoke more so about the reasons he won't have to go for it on fourth down as much this Dang. year, and that's because he can get off the field on third downs yeah. defensively. He talked about the new acquisitions and how that would allow him to build the defense around Derwin James the way they built the offense around Justin Herbert. Hmm. And what Mina said was hmm. absolutely true. Last year, he was moved around to fill holes. He was moved around yes. for if you raise uh. kids. You know, some kids are, are react to negative motivations right yeah. so it was negative oh my gosh we can't get a rush let's rush Derwin yeah. oh my gosh we can't cover this guy let's cover him or the oh we're everything. getting beat yeah. in the middle field put him now it's like man we have a matchup problem here put Derwin there yeah. we have a matchup problem there mm. Derwin can win and when you can do that defensively it's why I said during the summer I believe he will be in the defensive player of the year conversation because he will have stats in every category and it won't be those Draymond Green stats it'll be the LeBron <laughs> James we, sort of stats. we often call Herbert the ultimate eraser and it seems like that's Derwin James for their it's defense. Respect. It is. Totally. Absolutely. That, that was a shot Draymond right there. Draymond the Hall of Fame. Marcus. <laughs> Go Marcus. You're the Draymond of this show. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> Dang. You agree for that different the reasons. For different reasons. Sorry, looked good, Marcus. Okay, but take us to the D-line and the debut of Khalil Mack. What mm. did you see? I mean, I averaged 30, okay? That's number one. <laughs> and you're now, <laughs> now, listen, this, for me, y'all know how much I talk about being able to rush the in this league today, in order to be a championship team, you got to be able to sit down sometimes and rush four guys. And I, when they got Khalil Mack is when this team, to me, ascended to being the best team in this division. Because when you look at this unit, especially against the, the Las Vegas Raiders, we were sitting here a couple days ago talking about how do you defend these guys? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do to get a Devontae Adams and a Darren Waller and a Hunter Renfro off the field, especially with a run game with Josh Jacobs? This is your answer to that. And then, too, like, we all know this plan. Sometimes your career is revitalized by your opportunities. Mm. And I think Khalil Mack is living in that moment now. You leave Las Vegas and you go to Chicago where you're desolate. You're not winning games. You're still a good player. Everybody regards you as a good player. But now we see impact because every game is going to be on television. Every game is a big game. You got three of the, of the ten best quarterbacks in your own division, and it paid dividends the first game of the season against a divisional opponent. He is going to be the difference to this team winning the championship. You see uh, on there six sacks for the Chargers defense. Well, three of them came from Khalil Max. He literally had half of all the sacks. Yeah, sacks <laughs> it speaks though. to how dominant yeah. he was. Yeah. What? A third of what are you my talking career. About? Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network.
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, still no deal for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar ended the contract talks before the season started, and it's hit a bit of a stalemate. So, Diana, you caught up with Lamar at the end of the game on Sunday. What did he tell you about the contract situation? Well, first off, for the weekend, Chris Mortensen reported that the Baltimore Ravens did offer Lamar Jackson a five, six-year deal worth about $250 million, $133 million at signing. We know that's very different than what Deshaun Watson got at signing. He got it all guaranteed money, right? So 133 guaranteed. So I talked to Lamar about it. First, just asked him if that was the, if that was the offer. And he said, yeah, I turned that down. Uh, and, and, and he added there was actually some other things in the contract that had more value and he still didn't agree that that was what he was worth. So, um, you know, he was very transparent. He's just said, that's just not the number I'm willing, I'm willing to sign for. And when I asked him if he was going to continue playing the rest of this season without a deal in place for next year, he just told me, we'll have to see. So a little door open there as we Gonna have to go week by week here with Lamar Jackson and see what he decides to do. Yeah, that's interesting. Seems like he's betting on himself, but maybe we do see a point where he steps off of the field. Thanks, Diana. Let's take it on the field for some quick reads on the Ravens. Marcus, do you like what you saw from Lamar on Sunday? Yeah, I like moving the ball around. Obviously, we talk about how much Lamar gets locked in on Mark Andrews, but to hit Duvernay with a shot over the top, a really good throw, and then to find Rashad Bateman um, downfield. But what I liked about it was it. it, it eliminating the mistakes, right? Like, a lot of times, Lamar was pressing, trying to be the only one in this offense. I like that he spread the ball around and used those wide receivers. Here's what I didn't like. The Ravens run game, uh, which is so weird because when we watch them, we're so used to seeing these backs. It doesn't matter who's playing running back. Get five, six yards a pop. It's easy blocking, but that just wasn't the case against the New York Jets. Only eight yards from the non-Lamars in the first half. Uh, when they were easily outrushed by the Jets. Look, they didn't have J.K. Dobbins, but what concerned me was the blocking. Yes, Ronnie Stanley was out, but I felt like the interior of the offensive line just wasn't moving bodies the way we're used to. That's mm. something you want to see improve. Hey, I'm just fanning you guys off after that fire <laughs> touch screen. That's the best That thing was so much fun. Take you. a bow. He's the best, man. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice and humble, Dan. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
NFL Live. Hey, man, that was sloppy, that field with the Bears and the 49ers in Chicago. The Bears, of course, won the game. You saw a couple of nice throws from Trey Lance, though. We were watching the film earlier. Maybe not all bad for that 49ers offense, but either way, the Bears did not send a single blitz at Lance. They were able to get to him despite that. Chicago pressured Lance 12 times, and he struggled against it, completing just one of his seven attempts, and that one completion went for a loss of yards. He was also sacked twice. So, Dan, was this simply bad weather, or did you see more issues for Lance? More issues, but they're the same issues. Mechanics, they have to get faster, and they have to tighten up real quickly. The end of the game interception Eddie Jackson has is a perfect example of how much time this is going to take for Trey Lance to get this fixed. This is a simple concept. It's called F-Post. It's a shallow cross and then a widened release short post. Now, Eddie Jackson drops down, and right now, he's telling Trey Lance, I'm going to the shallow cross. This is actually a great play by Eddie Jackson. Ball should come out right now, though, with Trey Lance. But watch his back foot hit the ground. Back foot hit the ground, a hitch, and then the ball comes out. That actually allows Eddie Jackson to go to the shallow cross, then out to that short post. So that's what I mean by saying it's got to get faster. That is a five-step pass concept that should be operated in three-step timing. Mm. It should be catch, I see him go, back foot hit, and the ball comes out. If that happens, it's a completion. But it's going to take time for that young man to get these hundreds and thousands of reps that yeah, are necessary to yeah. get the feel mm -hmm. of what that should look like. Yeah, I saw the box score before I watched the game, so I wanted to see how much of those pressures of sacks were on Trey Lance versus the line. And the, on the answer is both were responsible. Mm. Um, Lance holds on to the football too long, sure. and he is responsible for some of those pressures. But boy, did this Niners offensive line have some issues. Um, and we really should have anticipated this coming into the season, particularly on the interior with a new center with Alex Mack retiring. Uh, and of course, guard has been a problem for them. But Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle, got beat all day long. And what concerns me in particular in this game is the Bears four-man rush pressured Lance at a higher rate than the Niners four-man rush. One of those teams has Nick Bosa, guys. Yeah. And you should not be performing better than them. So I think that's a problem going, that's going to persist for a while until they get cleaned up. I was coming in here down and, and thinking about... Cheer up, I, I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> thank up. you. It's being around you guys really helps me. But I, I, think, I think for me, I was looking at the game. Me and Mina was talking in the green room, and I said... Debo Samuel averaged six yards a carry, and Trey Lance averaged five yards a carry. They almost rushed for 180 yards in this game. But you think about how we always talk about the San Francisco 49ers playing, mm -hmm. and that's why I attribute the weather more than a normal team. Yeah. Right. Because when you look at the pass protection, for, your, for example, MK, this is not a team that's used to dropping back and hmm. on five-step drops. I thought the drops, weather would help and them, though. I, when you go in east and west like they do, yeah. it's very difficult, man, to continue to stay in your rhythm, my, in, in my opinion. Sorry, Rob. This is one go of my ahead. concerns with the interior offensive line because it's a run game that should also be north-south yeah. Trey Lance. But if the interior can't get any push, they might not be able yeah. to achieve Well, that. I'm going to tell you this. For everybody who is like, oh, it's okay, they got Jimmy G, you stupid, right? Because I don't, I don't want that much pressure. I don't want that much pressure in my quarterback room. If, if, if you're adjusted, like you're, you're adjusted fields and you got nothing, but he's just playing free, and he's having fun, and he's running around and making plays. And Trey Lance looks tight, and he's mm -hmm. overthinking and all these things. But you got all this stuff around you. But you know what else you got? You got a quarterback that where a lot of the same people went to a Super Bowl. A quarterback with a lot of the same people went to the NFC Championship. Still in your room. Yep. It's hard to be free. It's hard to be free when you know yeah. I got I mean, options. In week free, one, man. people were like, are they going to turn to exactly. Jimmy G? Exactly. And so now if you're a Trey Lance, you got to go out and play and just focus on you and not yeah. what's behind and you. And maybe it doesn't matter how nice Jimmy G's been about all this. You can't be friends with your exes, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You can't it be never friends with out. Them.
Hey guys, we got time for one okay. more thing before we go. Move this on. is really good. Check out this block here that you're going to see in just a game. second by Leonard Fournette. Man, Lenny's just out there doing it. <laughs> uh, okay, so the block that you'll see knocks Micah Parsons to the ground. The Bucks running back posted the clip to Twitter, starting a back and forth between the two for all the world to see. I think we're going to load that up as well. Uh, it, it said, so the reigning defensive rookie of the year said in part, now go watch the tape and see what happened when it was me and him one-on-one. -on -one. Fournette responded with the crying Jordan meme of his own. <laughs> RC, I'll just let you make sense of it all because you're better. I'm going to say what? Ain't no sense to make of it. I'm going to be honest. I, Michael Parsons is a dog. He is super talented, and he is athletic and mean and all those things. Number seven Ooh. is about all that action. Buddy. He is not. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Hey, I got, I got a friend that got a saying. When he was around, like, mean dudes who yeah. act like they want to fight all the time, he always say, and he ain't acting. He Number acting. seven is not acting. <laughs> That's something we're going to just leave on the wow. field. They don't <laughs> say that. Dan, you are always acting. I'm just kidding. All right, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Man, Live. Man, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs>